1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Your High Vibration Life. This is Robin Openshaw and I have a really great interview for you today. I've been reading the brand new book coming out by Dr. Stephen Masley, MD. He is my friend and he is uh, the author of a number of books. He's a physician, a nutritionist, a trained chef, um, an author and creator of the number one all-time health program for For public television, it's called 30 Days to a Younger Heart, and he helps motivated people tune up their brain, their heart, and their sexual performance. He's a fellow with three prestigious organizations, the American Heart Association, the American College of Nutrition, and the American Academy of Family Physicians. And he's also a clinical associate professor at the University of South Florida. So, he really researches on the impact of lifestyle choices on heart health, brain function, and aging. And so, Dr. Masley's passion is empowering people to achieve optimal health through comprehensive assessments and lifestyle changes. As a best selling author, he's published several books 10 Years Younger, The 30 Day Heart Tune Up, Smart Fat, and his latest book that's just coming out is The Better Brain Solution and that is the one that I am reading. I am really interested in it because I just turned 50 this year and you know right about now we start thinking about our our memory. He's uh been he's been watched by millions on PBS, the Discovery Channel, the Today Show. He's done over 500 media interviews, but he's still seeing patients and publishing legitimate research from his medical clinic in St. Petersburg, Florida. We're actually talking to him right after he got power after Hurricane Irma. So that's a real challenge to be with us. Thank you so much for being here with us, Dr. Masley.
0: Oh, I'm delighted to be with you, Robin.
1: Well, it's good to quote unquote, see you again online. I saw you a few weeks ago at a conference and I've been reading your book, And in the introduction, you say that when when asked, people are more fearful of losing their mind, their memory, that kind of thing you know, and I would imagine that's probably because most of us have watched an older relative sort of disappear on us due to Alzheimer's or dementia than cancer. People are more afraid of that than cancer. Is that true? Tell me a little about that.
0: That's really true. And it's, it's terrifying. And I think all of us have these little moments, like we walk into a room, we can't remember why we're there, but if they become recurrent and they're often and frequent, then that's a sign of real memory loss. You know, brain fog is so common today. And I think some of the reason that's scary is is because our brain gives us our identity, who we are. But when we lose it, not only do we lose our own health and we suffer, we become a burden to the people we love. And nobody wants that. Nobody wants to be a burden on our loved ones. So this is the most expensive disease in America today. We spend more money on it than anything else and we're appropriately afraid of it. So I want to help people improve their brain function and prevent memory loss. That's my goal.
1: Why is... Incidence of dementias and Alzheimer's, why is it skyrocketing? If you could boil it down.
0: Well, you're right. It is skyrocketing. It's going to double in just the next 12 years. And the number one cause for that is um, abnormal blood sugar control and what I would call insulin resistance. That when we eat too many refined carbs, the wrong foods, things you wouldn't recommend, then you, it messes you up. It messes up your blood sugar control. And that I think people are just now discovering how terrible that is for our brains. And we didn't realize this till recently. So here we have diabetes increasing at epidemic rates. And because of that, we have memory loss and cognitive dysfunction and brain fog increasing at an epidemic rate too.
1: Well, you may have kind of uh, answered somewhat my my first question for you, but what what are the most important risk factors that people should know about related to early memory loss?
0: Well, number one is just mild elevation in blood sugar causes major cognitive dysfunction. So if your blood sugar is up just a little bit, that's really bad and I most people think okay I'm not diabetic I'm fine well that's not really true a head injury a concussion increases your risk by you know 300% a history of depression this is a little surprising almost a three to 400% risk increased for Alzheimer's and memory loss if you've had a major depression in your life so concussion depression those are common Um, a family member with memory loss Alzheimer's disease and then an APOE4 genotype which is 20% of our population, so the, so blood sugar, head injury, depression, family history, um, those are the those are the big markers that make a big difference.
1: Okay, you mentioned the ApoE four genotype. That's Apo everyone. Apo A P O E four. ApoE four genotype. You mentioned that, and also your blood sugar. How how would I get tested for both of those things? How would I know if my blood sugar is high on a over a period of time? Blood sugar is pretty
0: easy. Most people, when they go to their medical provider for a regular annual checkup, probably most of them get their blood sugar checked and you can certainly just ask, hey, would you please check my fasting blood sugar? I'd like to know what it is. So that's simple. But signs of elevated blood sugar are that your waistline's expanding, your blood pressure goes up, your cholesterol profile gets worse, like the HDL number drops. Um, So those are you're inflamed more inflamed those are the signs that your blood sugar is becoming abnormal and you get those signs 10 years before your blood sugar is even high so the first sign though is an expanding waistline which none of us want right. So, um, but the ApoE4 that's more complicated. I would really think of that. With that's it's a, it's moderately expensive. Although now you can get it with Twenty Three and Me. If you do the Twenty Three and Me test, they'll tell you your ApoE4 genotype status. And that's, that's just pretty cool.
1: Uh, that's just a saliva test and pretty cheap, isn't it?
0: Yeah, like ninety nine dollars, and you get all this genetic information. I mean, it's. That's a deal to get so much information from a, about your genotype and your, your yeah, it tells you many risk factors, including that um, scary one. So.
1: so 23, number 23, everyone, and me, spell out and me, but two, three are numeric, 23andme.com. You can get this $99 test and it doesn't just tell you if you have the A- e 4 genotype, it tells you lots and lots of things, including about your your um, ancestry. And you might yeah. actually be surprised How about cool that. that. Yeah. All right. You talked about some risk factors, some of which were probably surprising to most of us, the TBI, traumatic brain injury, a history of depression. Those feel like things that either they happened to us or they didn't, and there's not much we can do about them. Tell, tell me a little more about the role of insulin resistance in cognitive decline, which is a major subject of the book.
0: Okay, so when you, let's break it down so it's clear. When someone eats energy, like a granola bar or cereal or bread, um, insulin's the hormone that tells your cells to store that energy, that blood sugar glucose into cells and store it as energy. So when you eat a refined carb, your sugar levels spike, You get a message, insulin's the hormone that says, push that energy into the cell and store it. And every time you eat refined carbs, you get this insulin spike. Now, if we do that regularly, here's the challenge. Your cell starts saying, hey, I don't have any more room to store. The, The cell is full, I can't store anymore. I'm gonna stop listening to you. I'm gonna become resistant to your storage message. When you reach insulin resistance, that's when we're like gaining weight around our waistline. But at the same time, here's the weird thing. Brain cells, when they feel like, okay, I'm gonna resist insulin's message, they become unable to use energy at all and they become dysfunctional. It'd be like if someone put the wrong type of gas in your car, the engine wouldn't run. So when you consume out-of-control carbs and you get this insulin resistance message going on, your brain cells are unable to use the sugar in your blood and they can't use the sugar properly. It's in their cells. The motor won't run. And brain cells, you get brain fog or forgetful or unfocused. Those are the signs. I think everybody's had them at some point. And next thing you know, your brain's dying. And that's a bad thing. But it's so common. We're talking about... 20, you know, 25 percent of all adults and 50 percent of baby boomers have insulin resistance. 50 percent, so it's a huge number. Millions and millions of people are at increased risk for not just heart disease but serious memory loss, too.
1: So, I noticed that you mentioned refined carbs, and I'm glad to hear you say that because there's so much talk about carbs as if all carbohydrates are bad, you know. 20 years ago when I was raising my little kids, I remember pediatricians saying just, you know, if they're upset stomach, just get some sugars in them. And I said, what do you mean sugars? And, And I remember a pediatrician telling me, have him drink some Sprite. And I said, well, wouldn't I want to give him some applesauce or, you know, that I homemade applesauce or something like really Sprite. And he said, doesn't matter, simple sugars. So it used to be like simple sugars and more complex carbohydrates. Can you tell me what the difference is? between refined carbs and, and maybe simple sugars found in whole foods like fruit. Is there a difference?
0: Oh, it's a huge difference. And you, you explained this really nicely in a lot of your materials. So when we eat unprocessed like an apple or bro- you know, a cup of broccoli – that has a lot of fiber in it. And the fiber binds to your sugar so your sugar doesn't jump up high and spike. It comes out slowly and gently over time and provides us with a steady flow of energy. What we don't want is a spike. Now, when you have something like sugar, it's gonna spike up high and then your insulin spikes and you get that back-to-back double whammy. Now, here's what many people don't under- appreciate that when they have whole wheat when you take flour a grain and you process it into flour it has the same response as table sugar so whether it's table sugar or white flour or whole wheat flour they all act the same way in your blood and have that sugar spike effect so what we want is Carbs that don't cause our blood sugar to jump high. So low glycemic carbs would be like blueberries and cherries and watermelon and an apple or any of the vegetables except for a potato, basically. And nuts and beans have a very low glycemic load. What has a high glycemic load would be anything made with flour or crackers or chips, bread, granola, Processed cereal, and obviously sugar itself, all those things wreak ha- wreck havoc on our brain function and our health overall. So it's really an important distinction between eating carbs that have a low glycemic food, have lots of nutrients, you know, phytonutrients, and then those that are just kind of empty and sugar release, releasing. Mm,
1: that's a really helpful explanation. So, from your clinical experience, you've worked with thousands of patients as well as as a, as a researcher. Can we improve our cognitive function?
0: Yeah. Big in a major way i mean i'm pretty impressed so you know i've been doing seeing patients for 20 years and i've had this better brain program really for at least a solid decade 10-15 years where we've been offering this and i measure cognitive speed and function in all my patients so when they first come to see me we publish data from our clinic we look at What do you eat? How active are you? How do you manage your stress? All all these, all these lab markers, your body fat, all these things. And we actually have published on what predicts great brain processing or terrible brain processing. And we have hundreds of people who've improved their cognitive performance over time. So we've actually measured, well, what things could you do that make a difference, like exercise or eating the right food or getting the right nutrients. And uh, we've done randomized clinical trials, meaning we put people in an intervention group and we randomized half of them to just a control group where they were gonna wait and start later. And we saw no change in the control group, but we saw 25% improvement in executive function pretty quickly that persisted and lasted long-term. So we know that we can improve your brain processing speed. And that's the key to helping to prevent memory loss. So that we've published that. Um, My patients report it every time I see them, you know, within a month, they're mentally sharper, quicker and more productive. And I think that's wonderful.
1: Okay, talk a little bit about executive function, because there are different ways that the brain works. And so, you know, for instance, I would say that at this age, I am forgetting who I told something to yesterday. Like I remember telling somebody of my 22 employees, to do something. And sometimes I can't remember who I told it to and it, and it worries me a little bit, but I've never had brain fog. And so talk about executive function and what other like ways of looking at what's going on with our brain that we should be evaluating.
0: So there's memory, you know, trying to remember a word or remember a shape, that's a memory component, but processing is like when you have to solve a problem, and you're working on a problem, you get interrupted, you have to get back into it, how quickly do you process the information? And this takes millions and millions, 100 million um, synapses in our brain. It's like all these circuits are involved in executive brain function. So that's really complex decision making. And that's your ability to get stuff done. So if you want to be productive, if you want to deal with a problem and solve it, And then, and here's the other thing, many people are interrupted up to a hundred times a day. If they're working on one, you know, a big daily project, like you're writing a new chapter in your book or something, and you have an awesome new book. Um, When you're doing that and you get interrupted, it can take seconds or minutes to get back into your speed. That kills your productivity. So we want people to be sharp and quick and to be able to jump from one task to another rapidly and solve their problems as quickly as possible. That's really your measure of executive brain function. Your ability to jump from task to task quickly and get stuff done and do it really efficiently. Um, That's a little different than just trying to remember a phone number, but you know they're both really important and we need both.
1: Yeah, what do you think about the fact that, you know, in 2017 we are having a multitask like never before. We have so many technologies. We have so many gadgets. We are multitasking because there's all these technologies that, that create these efficiencies and they're efficient, but they make us, I feel like my brain is exploding some days. I feel like I'm doing 50 <laughs> different tasks.
0: I know you mean, what you mean, isn't it? Because they're, they're, and they're distracting us and they're interrupting us. It's <laughs> We're not doing it on our schedule. Sometimes these gadgets start to work on their schedule. So I don't think that's harmful, but I think it shows the more distractions you get, you, it's getting harder and harder to get stuff done. And that's where your executive function is so important that you can just plow through and do two or three things at once as you um, work through projects and problems and you get interruption and your 20-person your staff comes to talk to you. I think that's really the key is that we can just keep going forward. Our, you know, It's like a computer speed. When I think a lot of people have been on a computer when it got sluggish and they had to shut it down to get it re-going again. That happens to our brain too. And so we're trying to prevent that and improve the function of our brain. So I don't think that's harmful for us to be challenged. I think we want purpose and challenge and more challenge sometimes the better as long as we manage it.
1: Well, that brings me to what activities are helping our brain decline and what activities are helping us improve our executive function, even into old age, because I don't, I don't know when I would retire. I love my work. My work is so, you know, so a part of me that I can't imagine quitting it. It's not even on my radar right now. But I would like to know that what I'm doing when I'm not working is helping keep my brain sharp. I I believe that I've read that watching TV, I always say that watching TV is one of the most low vibration activities there is like, you know, just hook somebody up to an EEG. It's just going to no. show what, what, what do you have to say about what we should spend our time doing? Like doing jigsaw puzzles, socializing what's good and what's bad.
0: So The bad one, so we don't want unmanaged stress. You know, we're so stressed out that we can't handle it. And that's harmful to our brain because we make cortisol a hormone. And that's fine when we're being chased by wildlife and you're, you know, 100,000 years ago and you're just trying to get out of the way. But if that's every day, Unmanaged, prolonged stress is really harmful. That cortisol shrinks, your literally shrinks your brain, especially the memory center. There's a lot of toxins in our environment now we never had to deal with before. Um, Not just like tobacco and excess alcohol, but now we have like nitrosamines that they put in processed meats, like bacon and sandwich meats and deli meats that are brain toxic and they're common. They're all over the place out there. So what I'm trying to do is help people identify what are the toxins they could easily avoid? You know, how do you help manage your stress to get rid of that? So stress and toxins are things we want to get rid of. Things we want to add. To me, that's the fun thing to talk about. There's specific foods that are really good for our brain. There's nutrients that are essential for our brain. Um, so I like to focus on the foods and nutrients that we should add to that help us improve cognitive function immediately and help to prevent decline over time.
1: Okay. So let's go to the foods you mentioned. If we, if we talk about foods that people should avoid, I'm so glad that you mentioned cured or processed meats, anything that you'd put on a pizza basically, or if it goes in a deli sandwich, uh, you know, the nitrites and the nitrates, the nitrosamines, like you said, that tops the list, right? What else, what other toxic foods should people avoid?
0: Well, pesticides increase your risk by 350% of memory loss over time. People who have high pesticides versus low pesticides. So, and most of the pesticides, I mean, we think of fruit and vegetables, but probably close to 80% come from dairy, meat, and poultry. So it's really the animal products.
1: Yes, because they're concentrated and people people get so afraid of, you know, I only eat organic produce, but then they eat all these conventionally grown animals and those tissues and organs build up all the conventional produces, uh, you know, herbicides. You're ab-
0: yeah, Robin, you're absolutely right on that. You're, you're dead on right. And um, so, but the on the produce, list, I look at the dirty dozen, you know, so I try to think if we're going to do organic, the things we'd make organic would be um, any dairy or animal protein we would people eat that it would be um, the dirty dozen, like the blueberries, the cherries, um, apples, um, bell peppers, c- common things, but those are actually pretty easy to get organic, and they're even a lot less expensive because there's so much production for them now. Um, those are the big ones, and then maybe coffee and tea. If you drink coffee and tea, I look at the we use a lot of pesticide sprays, so those are probably the three groups that I think are most important. Um, and I try to give people tools for that with the program, um, you know, for a better brain that so you make sure that you're avoiding these common things that are out there.
1: Yeah, people don't realize how, how heavily sprayed coffee is. And and Starbucks is absolute worst because now we're dealing with genetically modified coffee beans as well as how much spraying they do. So so I'm glad you mentioned that. The dirty doesn't, and you know, let's just give a little good news here because we talk so much about what's going wrong in the world. And you know, there's half a billion tons of Roundup being sprayed on our crops worldwide now, and that's probably not gonna go away anytime soon. But there is a lot more organic produce available. I mean Costco is full of it. When greensmoothiegirl.com went live 10 years ago, uh you know, I had to drive around to find organic produce and sometimes the organic produce cost 3 times as much and that's just yeah. not the case anymore, is it?
0: No, I you're absolutely right. It's so much easier to find these things and the prices have really dropped.
1: Yeah. So, we talked a little bit about what to avoid. We're going to avoid Nitrites, nitrates in our meats. We're gonna if we're gonna eat animal products, we gotta get the what wild caught, organic, cage, yeah, wild
0: caught, cage free, organically fed, and that's getting easier and easier to do.
1: Yep. It's getting easier and it's getting less expensive. It used to be that those industries were so propped up by by government agencies. And they still are. Meat and dairy are still very propped up. And if those price supports fall out, we're going to find ourselves unable, many people unable to afford those. And so I'm a big fan of people just learning to eat more plants. but. And you are a chef in addition to a medical doctor. I don't know how you had time for that going through medical school. I don't even get it. But you're a really I, great chef. I, huh? actually,
0: I actually went to the Four Seasons and did a chef internship while I was a physician because I was doing research studies. And when I realized what people really wanted was not just, you know, how many grams of fatter carbs to eat they wanted recipes that were easy to make delicious and you could find the ingredients at a store and if you could give them that food that was good for your heart brain and soul and it was easy to prepare and it was people loved it that's what they ate and so I used to cook like in college I would cater dinners so I liked cooking but I you know, took it to a different level when I realized that if we're really gonna change health in America today, we need more recipes. So I started, I went back to chef school and I, so on evenings and weekends, I worked in a restaurant um, at the Four Seasons and it was really a good experience for me to this day and yeah, I've got fifty new recipes in my new book, The Better Brain Solution. I love these recipes because they're delicious, they're fun to make, and uh, it's really and your your family will love them.
1: Yeah, I love that you aren't. I mean, I remember reading uh, Joel Furman and McDougal and all those guys, and they were you know they were heart. Heart doctors, and they were like, "You got to eat two pounds of vegetables and no fat." And since since then, you know, your last book, being Smart Fat, I one of the things I love about your mission, Doctor Masley, that you know I share is a passion for teaching people that eating really healthy doesn't mean that you're eating yucky food.
0: Do you agree? Absolutely. No, absolutely. I'm totally with you, Robin. Food's got to be delicious or we're not going to eat it. And it's trying to learn to use fat, healthy fats, smart fats in the right way with spices and herbs. When you put them together, your food can taste fabulous. And I, I love doing like cooking classes and things like that because of it, because that's how you transform people's lives
1: everyone should check out Dr. Masley's recipes because he's a bit of a gourmet as well as a doctor. And you don't usually find those two things together. So let's, let's, um, talk a little bit about supplements because there are, there's just probably, it's probably a billion dollar industry selling people, um, supplements for your brain. What are the top four or five supplements that we should be taking?
0: Nobody should be vitamin D deficient. That's like crazy. It worsens your cardiovascular health, your cancer risk, and your brain health. So we should get at least 2,000 international units. Some people need more, but almost everybody needs at least 2,000. I use a vitamin D every day. Um, That's a no-brainer. We should be getting a good multi that has. So what's a good multi? It's hard to get it in the grocery store. That's a hint. Um, you know, something that's got mixed folates, not just folic acid. It should have all sorts of forms of tocopherol. Um, vitamin E isn't just alpha tocopherol, it's mixed tocopherols. It would have adequate B12 because B12 deficiency is really common today. And when you're low, that can per- cause permanent irreversible brain damage so we don't want low b12 so adequate b12 chromium is good for insulin sensitivity so we just need a a trace to get plenty so those are just semi so a vitamin d a good multi and actually a really good multi probably has adequate vitamin d in it and then a probiotic because our gut is so important for our brain health so um and then magnesium if i was to pick four things i'll try to limit myself Uh, you know so if you're really going to prioritize there's other things that are i think effective that um are really exciting like maybe even curcumin that curry spice but the top four let's make sure we get our vitamin d a good quality multi and i give people all the tools to figure this out with the program uh better brain program uh and uh, a probiotic and magnesium. Those would be my top four things not to miss.
1: What about CoQ10 and resveratrol that you always hear linked to healthy brain? So I think those are really fascinating.
0: And I and I do recommend, especially for people who are high risk or who have early symptoms of cognitive decline, um, they get pricey. So suddenly you're up to you know, you're jumping from $20, $30 a month to you're doubling that cost. So I'm trying to really prioritize. I think the vitamin D, the good quality multi with B12, the probiotic, the magnesium, those are like slam dunks and they're not that expensive. I think that research behind CoQ10, curcumin, resveratrol are fascinating. There's some early studies um, that show some benefit. There's just not as solid in terms of when you look at how many studies they published, how many patients have been in them, have they really shown long-term results? So yes, those are some of my favorite other additional supplements I talk about, like um, after you've got the basics, I think you hit them really nicely. So all of those things, I think are really important for your brain.
1: Okay. And I want to ask you about stress because there's so much talk about stress and stress is bad for you. So the fact that I have deadlines and I'm doing hard things in my work, is there a, I want to ask you if there's a good stress and a bad stress because like for instance, you and I right now one thing we have in common is that we're both doing a book launch and we would both like to get our message out there to more people. We would like to hit the New York Times list and you know, big goals, big hairy audacious goals are those bad or should we just should, should we just be going to the beach and and um, doing as little as possible in our career or what's what's the difference
0: no no i love that because you want purpose and challenge just like we need to exercise our muscles we need to exercise our brain so we want challenge but what we have to do is proactively manage it so we have to do those things that generate positive vibration for us You know, like you talk about in your book, that we want that, you know, you need adequate sleep, you need loving hugs, you need soothing in your life. We need things that are nourishing and supportive and helpful, and you need to schedule them. You can't just, I mean, let me hope I have time to meditate today. I mean, that's not going to happen. You'd have to plan to meditate and schedule it. So it does happen. Those, you know, when you proactively manage your stress, you can handle all sorts of challenges. That's the difference.
1: I like that. Okay. Let's say that we find out how many, what, what percent of the population has the APOE4 genotype? 20%.
0: Twenty percent.
1: Okay, so let's say I take the twenty-three and Me test, and I have the APOE four genotype. Um, my grandpa died several years ago at ninety-three after about five years of of just total dementia. So oh, I probably I'm have that risk that. factor. Yeah, my my children have it on both sides of their family. Their their father's uh, grandpa died of Alzheimer's. So. What special tips should anyone follow who is APOE4 genotype, or let's say they don't get tested and they think they might be because of their family history? What should they do to prevent okay. memory loss?
0: That's a great question. Because there's several things you can do. A lot of people are like, why would I test? It's just bad news, right? Well, no, well, it is some bad news, but there's a lot we can do to stop that genotype means we're more inflamed and we're better or better able to fight infections. That's a genetic advantage but it also means we have a bigger chance of having high cholesterol heart disease and memory loss so the things that we've known from studies that really help one um, the Better Brain program would be so important because we really focus on low blood sugar and no insulin resistance people with APOE4 do not tolerate abnormal blood sugar that just kills them kills them off so one You want really good blood sugar control because that makes a big difference too. Exercise, people who have the APOE4 do a lot better if they work out, you know, like for the green smoothie tennis playing girl. Um, Yeah, I mean, more activity is really good. So that's a positive. Fish oil, here's the irony. Fish oil is extra important and I didn't mention that in my nutrients, I probably should have, but fish oil is important for everybody, but people with the ApoE4 even benefit more. They probably benefit double from getting fish oil than the regular rest of the population, but they don't absorb it as well. They need double the dose. So they need to take extra, like a instead of 1,000 milligrams of EPA and day, they probably need 2,000 to really get that full benefit. And they benefit more than most people. So. There, and then fasting, there seems to really be some evidence that fasting helps people with the APOE4, so they should be skipping breakfast a few days a week. I mean, there's a lot you can do if you know you have it, and it's really. it's I think the evidence is that it makes a big difference.
1: Interesting. What do you think about the longer-term fasting? So you're talking about 12 or 16 hours a day. What do you think about now? Um, this is pretty controversial. I haven't really talked about this in my podcast, but last year I did a seven-day fast, a nine-day fast, and a 12-day fast. What do you think about that?
0: Well, you're going to release you know, fat. You're going to metabolize and release fat and a bunch of t- toxins you come out. So you've really got to be detoxing. I mean, you'd have to be a really healthy person like you. So for you to do that, I don't have too much concern because I know you're going to do it carefully and appropriately and you're in good health and you're de- you're probably detoxing the whole time you're doing it and supporting that um, toxin release from fat cells. An average unhealthy person doing that who doesn't have nutritional detox capacity in their liver that would scare me a little bit. I'd much rather they do it in a gentler, softer way. And they do two to three days a week of a, you know, 14, 15 hour fast instead.
1: Awesome. Okay. So I know that you have offered to give my readers a little uh, gift, a really great deal. Um, it's at greensmoothiegirl.com slash better brain. We're setting that up in honor of Dr. Mousley's new book. The better brain solution. So greensmoothiegirlcom slash better brain. And it's a 30 day challenge. If you jump in on it, you're going to get the book free. Tell us a little bit about it.
0: So I'd like to, um, we have a quiz that they can have, you know, take to see kind of a brain symptom score. How is their brain doing? That's going to be free that we're going to offer the quiz. And we're going to offer my, a sneak preview of my PBS show, uh, the Better Brain Solutions. So that's going to give them detailed information on these five, the five steps they can follow to have a better brain. So that's that's just free. Now, if they want to take additional the next step, if they really want to get support and dive in to those five steps, then we've got uh, information for them. Extra recipes. I want my I want them to do a thirty day. Better Brain Challenge. I would like their brain to be sharper, quicker, more productive, less forgetful and prevent memory loss and join a 30 day challenge with me. So we've got the sneak preview of the PBS show that's only limited for a very short time and a quiz. And then I want them to try this Better Brain Challenge. Who wouldn't, if you have a brain, you need the Better Brain Challenge. I mean, who wouldn't want to be mentally sharper, quicker and more productive?
1: I love it. do we miss anything that you really love to talk about with regard to your new brain book?
0: Boy, I think you really nailed the essence of that book. I would like to say one thing though, and here's a this is uh you know I think it's about human nature in general. a lot of people are procrastinators. We wait for something bad to happen before we take acts- you know action right so The problem is by the time you notice you're getting forgetful and your brain isn't as sharp as it used to be, it's shrunk and i've watched dementia and alzheimers on a personal level with my own family members i've seen this and i know how awful it can be i don't want anyone to go through that so i want i want people to take action now i want you to say i'm not going to allow myself to lose my memory in the future and i want a quicker sharper more productive brain starting today so Do this now, don't wait till you have signs of memory loss and your brain has shrunk from a grape to a raisin. That's too late. Take steps now, get going, take the 30 day Better Brain Challenge, improve your brain production in just 30 days. Uh, That's really my key take home message today.
1: That is great advice. And I'm really excited for your book to come out. I'm really enjoying reading it. And so thank you so much for being with us in the hot Florida heat right after the hurricane. You are amazing, Dr. Stephen Masley.
0: Oh, thank you so much.